0: okay so we're live welcome back to the magic minds podcast i'm matt bork on the show today we are located in the liberties uh, i'm at the back of my flats this is the liberties i decided that we're going to do the podcast from a different location Uh why not use uh, my area you know everyone knows that i love the liberties everybody knows that i love where i'm from so i just thought you know i get out of the house i'll do something different i'm always trying to to do something different so we've decided that we're going to do our videos uh, from different locations so today we're located at the the tree of hope, Uh, it's a tree that was planted here in aid of people that have died by suicide Uh, uh, the Shannon Hope line uh, mental health warriors were huge uh, players in getting this done here, I I think uh, uh, Sandra, Sandra and Lisa You know, got in contact with the guys. They have a Facebook page uh, about getting it planted around the time that a year, I think it was around the year after the anniversary of uh, Shannon passing away. So, yeah, it's an absolutely brilliant idea. It's kind of in memory of people have died by suicide, but it's also a place to come and be at peace. And I do often sit out here myself sometimes, and it's just absolutely lovely. So, uh, yeah, so this is where I come from. The liberties of uh, I grew up here, it's absolutely fantastic. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, by the way. Uh, It's the only opportunity I could get. You know, it's quite busy. Uh, you probably hear the seagulls and crows screaming in the background. But sure, look, we'll give it a bash. The sound mightn't be the greatest in the world, but uh, we'll give it a go. It's nuts. Like, this is a million miles away from what I have ever did before. A year ago, I'd never done videos. Now I'm doing videos. I'm doing uploads on Facebook and Instagram, Instagram Live. It's all part of... I decided a year ago that I would uh, do things I've never did before and I'd record them. And that's what I do now. Uh, So this is just one of those things. What I do is I try to do something different every month. I keep a note from my book. Every month I I list all the things I've never did before. Just simplistic things. But we've built up to it. Now I'm doing podcasts, interviews, podcasts, videos out on the street, podcasts, live. All that kind of stuff. Just trying to do something different. Novelty all the time. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Uh, yeah, like, what am I doing? At the moment I'm going to an acting class. I decided to go to an act class this week. Is the second week of it. Uh, it's kind of it's an acting slash drama workshop. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It's embarrassing. It's it's difficult. It's great crack, but it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And, and I suppose it helped me with this as well. You know, uh, people mightn't think about. Sometimes I, I don't like uh, attention. I don't like. Uh, Affirmation. I don't like people saying lots of things. So I get embarrassed, but so things like that help me. This kind of help me. But it's all in service of the podcast. It's all in service of pushing us forward. You have to have a face. You know, we want to, to get attention for our podcast. We have to be active. We have to be live on Facebook. We have to be live on Instagram. And a year, two years ago, well, it would absolutely cringed at that. But it's what we have to do to try get our uh, promotion for our podcast. You know. Uh, the way I see it, it's not for me, it's for the podcast, it's not for me, it's in service of the amazing interviews that we've done. Uh, just take a little pause there, cars are driving by, uh, mindful of the sound. So yeah, that's the kind of thing, I'm just pushing myself out uh, and learning to promote the podcast. Yeah, it's all in service of the podcast, so hopefully we're doing a good job. I'm just, I am just have my notes here, I normally don't have notes, but I said just because the environment and we're, we're switching up a little bit. Uh, I take a few notes so what are, what are we up to at the moment yeah the interview with Fran how apt is this last week interviews with Fran his son died by suicide I'm delighted with the uh, response uh, from our community from the people that got in touch was, it was really well received and rightly so he's an absolute legend The family is brilliant he really is and so is Ryan a superhero it was amazing to have him on the podcast and I'm glad so many people liked it <coughs> excuse me uh, so who's on the podcast this week dr Tracy Kenny dr Tracy Kenny she's uh, a lady that works with me in the hospital she also uh, a lecturer in my new college uh, mediation uh, she's she's a uh, she's somebody that comes in she just does kind of consults work, comes into the hospital and works so she's part of a group called the pwag uh, group positive work and environment group uh, that's what we run the hospital she comes in and chairs that she's absolutely fantastic She's kind of like the piece in the middle of a storm. She just kind of oozes fairness, equality, uh, love, kindness. And then she does it all with a great bit of crack. And we kind of go through that in the podcast. We talk about, you know, the groups that she works with, the work that she does, how she got started. It's absolutely brilliant, you know. Uh, so, yeah, look, have a list, though. Let us know what you think, as always. Yeah, uh, just saying hello to somebody. Who won't boy that walks his dog, he goes boy at the same time every day. That's the thing about the Liberty. You see the same people. Everyone says hello. Everyone's friendly. It's just an amazing area. So look, have a listen to the to the show. Let us know what you think. She's an absolute legend, Tracy Kenny. Uh, We've some cracking interviews coming up. Uh, Brian Peters, Atuli Mitra, Uh I'm hoping, as I say, get my mate on to talk about the EJ uh, himself and his Mrs. process of going through IV. Uh, yeah, so that's what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. The podcast is really after picking up momentum. Uh, we're getting loads of lovely feedback about it. It's deadly. So, as always, I thank Noel Royley from Rudy Media. They do amazing work with graphic design. Uh, if you need any graphic design stuff, get them get in touch with them. The show notes, as always. Slow down a bit. the contact details is always at the end of our show notes. Uh, also, the Shannon Hope line doing amazing work in the liberties, you know, mental health awareness, suicide prevention, education for the area, for youths, uh, uh, low price counselling, if that's something that you need, get in contact with them, get in contact with us, who else, who else, who else, who else, uh, yeah, as always, please share on on social media, please share with your family and friends, send us your feedback, we really need that and we love it, uh, we're on iTunes, YouTube, all the podcast servers across the way, Um, uh, yeah, so that's it, that's it, that's our first uh, outdoors intro, I'm going to do it from different locations, I'm going to do it down on Grey Street, Guinness is at the back of me, there's some amazing places and I want to try really show you the liberties, show you a little bit of history about it, I grew up here, as I say, I used to work down on Mead Street, I used to work in the butchers on Mead Street, uh, Mead Place Flats, Brendan Fricker just lives at the end of the road here. The place is just absolutely full with talent and I just love it. It's an amazing place and hopefully I can get to show you different places. As always, mind your little self, take care of yourself, practice self-compassion so you can then be more compassionate to the rest of the world. So there you go. Welcome to the liberties and uh, hope to see you all soon. Enjoy the podcast. Let us know what you think. Tr- Dr. Trasta Kenny. Thank you. Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds Podcast. I'm Matt Borg. On the show today, I'm joined by Dr. Trassie Kenny. <laughs> hey. Thanks for coming
1: on the show. Thank you very much indeed, Matt. It's lovely to
0: be here. Oh, it's <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I've been threatening to get you on for a long time. We, it, you just, you, we're so close with work and mm. all that, and the p group was like, yeah, I'll come back to you, I'll come mm. back to you, because I knew you'd be there. But it was always excited to sit down and have the chats with you. So guys, I've asked Trassie to come on the show because trust is the Academic Programme Coordinator and Lecturer at Maynooth College, am I right?
1: University, yes, the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for Conflict Intervention. there's a big long, long title. So
0: that's the K-I-W-M-R-G.
1: Well that would be a research group that's part of that, yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. I have a bit of a gripe, I have a bit of a gripe. I read somewhere that you bring them in baking.
1: I do. And you feed them. I do. We're
0: just being out of wag. you didn't bring me any cakes. <laughs> I feel yeah. like the, the unloved child, okay. what happened there?
1: sorry about that now Matt that's, uh, ever since the, the, the PhD when it got into its, its kind of final throes the baking went out the window even the poor old um, sort of Kennedy Institute um, research group found themselves abandoned you know and no, no cakes so
0: she said there, someone that. wrote that you're feeding our endeavours I was like i never got any cakes <laughs> I went straight into my child I was like the, the trigger child I, I wasn't right. loved so, I wasn't yeah. treated well well next, next
1: meeting next, next meeting.
0: meeting cakes right, that's cakes. It. cakes okay mm-hmm. Give us a little boy on yourself, on your awesome, wonderful self.
1: On oh, my awesome, wonderful self, um, I I'm take you back as far as you like there now, but I, I'm born in Ireland. Um, I was uh, one of those um, immigrants as a 12 year old who went to live in London with my family. Um, so I literally did, you know, I, I lived over there for a good number of years. So I, I did my kind of secondary education and then went on to do my kind of secretarial um kind of. Yeah, so sort of, that's sort of the way I trained, went into work and then um, worked for different types of organisations. I can think about a bit like the Three Bears, you know, I started off with a really big one like Unilever, and um, which is great and a fascinating kind of experience. Um, at the tender age of about 24, I think I said something to them like, um, you know, um, I'd really like to think about what I'd like to do next in terms of work. And they said, come back when you're 26, 27, you know, and I kind of thought, oh, okay, so then I went to work for um, what I would call Baby Bear, which was a very small construction business. Um, yeah, but it was just the way I kind of saw it, that it was a very small place and it was, um, yeah, incredible because I got to work with kind of um, people in the construction manufacturing. So, you know, you had this kind of head office manufacturing kind of um, factory base um, in the Midlands in England and, you know, that was fascinating. Um, and then I went to work for Mammy Bear, um, which was a medium-sized um but is now one of the big kind of a, it's now a delight in tush, but I worked for the management consultancy there. And that's when I kind of moved from being a PA, a secretary, um personal assistant, to waking up one morning and going, Hey, I know what I want to do, um and I wanted to go into human resource management, which my boss at the time just looked at me and said, You're off your head, you know, this this thing is just boring, it's just admin, it's, you know, it's not where you want to be, you want to get into marketing, you want to get into something, you know, um, much better than HR, and um, uh, yeah, and then after a little, little conflict, little um, little negotiation, um, he, anyway, it was eventually, um, a, a job was scoped, which essentially was the job I went into, so I started going to college and studying and getting involved in hr but my i suppose my big thing about it was the people you know because again one of the things for me was that you know i'd noticed that even in in all the organizations i worked in and um, it all came down a lot of the time to the relationships between people it came down to people judging that some people were better than other people because of the role they had or assumptions about their education or these kinds of things and and so that's the way i wanted to do it was actually to do it <clears throat> with people um and yeah so so that's essentially i started down that that particular path and fairly rapidly would have found myself um in a situation where people would come and sort of say look there's a problem or there's a difficulty can you help us sort it um and so with no training by the way in conflict because most HR people would find themselves being trained to negotiate with unions but not necessarily Mm -hmm. to 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 deal with anything else in the way of conflict Mm -hmm. with people um, other than the policies and the procedures, you know, so it's all quite formal. Um, so I I just started to kind of find myself kind of going between groups of people, car- you know, carrying what people were saying was important to them to senior managers and back again, you know, and, and trying to get people to sit down and talk to one another. Um, and then by the time I left there, I went into a, uh, the NSPCC, which is the National Society for the National to Children. And so that was like a complete sort of spin on its head because I went from a, a big financial services organization with a lot of money um and inequalities in all kinds of interesting ways and um you know finding it very difficult to cope with the first IT people coming in because they were they wore sandals and had beards which was really kind of you know so you're you're kind of talking about a, a particular point in time yeah. and then yeah and so I found that that really opened my eyes because I had felt things about Fairness and equality between people. But when I went into the ASPCC, um I really got um, not a baptism of fire, but it certainly so felt like a, a, an awakening in a way that was really considerable around um, organisations that were working, sort of, you know, in areas that were very complicated, also trying to raise money in those areas, trying to spend the least they could on the administration of what they were doing and needing their people, um, and again, a big part of, of it was to, to actually, yeah, so hear people out, and I would have been involved with quality and as well as negotiation through really substantial change, and very difficult change for the organisation, so yeah, so that was sort of my, my forming there, and,
0: hmm.
1: and then I came back to Ireland, so.
0: Where did your, where did this epiphany come from, where did you, how did you wake up one day and decide, this is what I want to do, how did that happen? Did you, was it
1: literally like that? It felt like that, yeah, because I was trying, I was struggling with what I wanted to, to, to do. Um, and I kept having these kind of strange conversations with myself and with anybody who would listen about, you know, you know, I, I, there's more I can do. And I had managed to kind of, as my, my boss at the time sort of said to me, he, he wondered, he asked me a question one day, which was, when did you stop being my PA? And I kind of looked at him and I said, well, I am still your PA. He said, no, in name, you are my PA. He said, look, there is someone else who does my secretarial work. He said, you organise conferences, you kind of, you know, produce a newsletter, you bring me kind of indicators of priorities I need to concentrate on. You remind me to go and talk to certain people about things. Um, you remind me, you know, he said, to, to do things uh, for people in a different way. Wow. Um, and so I think, you know, that conversation... Um, and yeah, and then I was weighing up back and forwards and then it just felt like that to me. It felt like I woke up one morning and went, It's the people, actually. It's it, that's what I want. That's what I want. And and I've had a kind of um just a saying that I carried around, which actually is at the front of a book by Ian Foster, um, and it's used in educating readers. That's the first time I kind of I was studying the book, um, Howard's End um in college I'd gone back to my night class for English and uh I um we went to see Education Rita, which um, was just amazing because it was kind of like, you know, that this, that went on to become the film and everything. But in that, you know, at the beginning of that book, it says only connect. And I think, you know, for me, that whole series of things, it was how do you connect in, in work? You connect with and through people, you know, and that, that became it for me. And so even when I was challenged about going into HR, and told go into marketing. I actually, my cheeky response at the time was, well, surely you're,
0: Greatest marketing resource are the people who work with you. <laughs> to sure which my boss at the time had no answer. <laughs> I can see why he said that to you yeah. about going yeah. on and doing greater things or become marketing because yeah. you have this magnetic personality. Oh, well, you you yeah, tell stories. You're you, you're very articulate. You you, you it's very genuine. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever you would have moved into. Mm-hmm uh you would have been great Thank you. so I can see where he was it's it's mad isn't it when, you, when people make assumptions this would be best for you and he wasn't listening or no. observing all the things you say and do and the language and the direction you are pointing yourself
1: yeah yeah and I, again i think it's one of those isn't it that bit when your gut tells you that this is the right thing for me and, and i suppose that's where i was sitting with it because i was prepared to leave the organization which was really hard for me because i, I really really enjoyed working with the people I worked with there I really enjoyed it. I liked the organization a lot um, and it really would have been a very tough decision to go um, from there and, and it felt like absolutely the right path for me now the only thing I can say to you as a laugh was a few years later that same man came into my office um, where I was HR manager there and he said to me I've been offered a new job in the internet, you know, like as a global company, Mm a global business, and he'd been offered this kind of, you know, senior global kind of position as a director of the overall organisation. I said, that's fantastic. I said, what 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 are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to become HR director. And I burst out laughing. (laughs) And I just kind of said to him, well, that's a dead end job. And he just started laughing. And he said, yeah, he said, but isn't it funny, he said, sometimes you get shown that things are not all you think they are, you know, and uh, it just made me really kind of laugh because he was a great guy and he was a great guy. And, you know, uh, one of his things was that, uh, yeah, he, he had this, yeah, he, he has made a decision about what was best and he thought was best. And he did it from the very best of places. As well.
0: mm. uh, it's a I had got recommendations from the CEO here to do, I was talking about leadership and going on to do a course mm. and he was making recommendations to do another course, mm. but I, I kind of, had it in my heart that I wanted to go and do this Mm. one and I did and it was one of the greatest things I ever did because it was person-centered it was leadership it was communication it was but it was all about me Mm. it wasn't me being the manager of a lot of people it was me being the manager and the leader of me yeah
1: which is I think the most powerful thing because that's integrity isn't it? I mean that's intrinsic to us that if we can manage ourselves if we can lead ourselves if we have a good idea about what matters to us and what's important to us. Yeah. Then, we, then we don't we don't get all het up when people challenge that. I mean, because we can sit with that and kind of say it's okay. I mean, you see it a different way. That, that's okay. You want me to be a different type of of person. Let's talk about that and let's talk about what you need and mm-hmm. why that's important to you. And I think that can only come from leadership. That is where people understand themselves first. Um, you know, and and can actually kind of see the impact they have then on others, you know, because they don't get precious about things and, you know, we don't feel kind of threatened by, mm. by other
0: people, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Can we talk about mediation, mm. conflict, intervention? You know, we force came to, to me a couple of years ago when I was only starting off in the organisation and you came to do a bit of mediation yeah. in our organisation. Mm. I found that really difficult. Mm. I find conflict, I find mediation Oh, sorry. I did back then. I found it really difficult. Uh, Can you talk? Can you share us a bit about that? About just conflict and mediation in general? Yeah. The way people find it so difficult.
1: Yeah, I, I think conflict is really difficult because it's talked about so often as a negative a negative thing you know we should be better than that you know we should be able to it's all the shoulds you see that's kind of like you know, there's all these kind of strange the tyranny of should yeah and it's so powerful you know and it's sort of like you know that if you were a better person you wouldn't be in conflict with people if they were a better person there wouldn't be conflict you know Um, and very often it becomes about that you know that it's if someone else did something different I wouldn't be experiencing this difficulty that I'm experiencing now Um, and so I think conflict gets a lot of bad press I think it gets talked about very Negatively, I, I don't think we often talk about the creative power of conflict, you know, that if we can actually bring people together um, to talk about what the differences are, um, and obviously depending on the extent of the conflict, you know, so if that's two people, that may be a short enough conversation. If it's a group of people, it may be a slightly longer conversation, but not necessarily. If it's two countries or two parts of a country or two parts of a community, it may be a longer conversation that needs to be happening with with people um, in order to talk about in the first instance what it is that's and the storytelling is really important i think in conflict because we hide it you know i think that's another thing with conflict it's kind of it's hidden away it's hidden away in procedures it's hidden away in almost like creating um these kind of weird caves people have to find their way into you know if you want to sort out a conflict yeah that's a great analogy you you have to kind of go into the cave and you have to kind of put your hand up and say hello (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not coping or I'm not dealing with this very well or maybe there's something wrong with me or people get really kind of so distressed by not being able to find a solution to the conflict um, and any help to it that maybe they lose their head and they go in and they shout the and they scream.
0: Absolutely. And do, do, I, do, I find a lot of people don't use I. Yeah. You know, I feel shit. I, yeah, there's all these t- points one finger's three pointing back at you mm. as i remember back to that conflict i was only yes. having a conversation mm. with someone yesterday about it i found it really difficult yes. because i wanted to be as honest as i could i mm. wanted to i wanted everyone to put their cards on the table but back then i was thinking they're not being honest but they probably had their insecurities they probably had their looking back now but back then i was really ang- yes. not angry but i was like oh come on let's yes. be honest and yes. just clear the board yes. here we we'll yeah. talk about what needs to be talked mm. about but they they didn't and they couldn't mm. And I'm sure I was a contributing factor to that. You know, they perceived and I perceived. There was all this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and so much of it, you know, that um, different, different values, different feelings of security. Uh, you know, I probably learned a huge amount even in that time since we would have met then about how I would do things, some things the same, some things very differently to, mm-hmm. to, to working with conflict. Because I think, you know, that's one of the, the things I find about having gotten involved in the mediation area is and working with people when the distress that you know of, of sitting in conflict of mean what you're describing you know where you, you want to say your truth to, to people and you want people to know and get it and then move forward and for other people they're really struggling with remaining nice or you know not seeming to be difficult or you know and I think what they want harmony and harmony feels like it should all be terribly sort of sweet and
0: yeah realize.
1: and yet you know there is that whole bit about how do we get to a place of harmony for everybody and often we have to travel some pretty rocky roads we have to hear some things that are uncomfortable to hear and we have to also say some things that are uncomfortable to to say
0: you even saying that to me i'm like oh, that's a- <laughs> oh geez and I didn't know back then that I had difficulty with conflict. I had difficulty with saying exactly what I wanted. I had difficulty around having difficult conversations, a strong conversation with women. Mm-hmm. I felt threatened. I, I felt inadequate. I, there was lots of things. Now, looking back, that I have challenges mm-hmm. of having conflicts or saying exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And even back then, I probably wouldn't have been as professional as I should have been because I came from a building, or a, a door job, or a butcher's. So I didn't know that yeah. what the etiquette was. Perfect. So I had all these insecurities. So I brought that to the table. But yeah, I wanted all these people to be honest with yeah, yeah. me. But I didn't even know what I wanted And I was sitting down. Yeah, yeah. And that's how complex yeah. conflict can be, isn't it? Uh, it can not
1: it its that complex. And I, that's one of the reasons why I am so profoundly interested in mediation and in restorative um, practice, restorative justice, you know, conversations where... Um, even the most tricky and difficult of things can be talked about in an environment where people can trust that they will get voice, that they're going to be heard um, in that environment, even if people don't like what they're saying, that they're, they're able to, to speak. and um, Other people hear it, whether they can make the change. They need to make that. That's something then to tease through in terms of, well, yeah, it's, just a, it's a much more powerful process than... So many of the things we do with conflict, you know, we put them into the courts or we put them into um, procedures which are formalised and everybody writes things down and everybody goes hunting down people to support their view of the world and then everything becomes invested in proving that what happened for you or what you perceive to be the way of things. I'm right, you're wrong. Absolutely. So it's all about that sort of, it's so focused on the the kind of the the win-lose all of the time. Um, and it's not that procedures are not important. Um, it's simply that isn't there something we can do that enables people to talk with one another as well? You know, that, whether that's you know, pre-going into something formal or afterwards when things need to be restored, when relationships need to be restored, because maybe it wasn't as black and white as everybody thought. Um, so mediation can be really helpful in restoring relationships, but equally it can be really helpful early on in talking through what's going on here you know what's actually happening what is it that is uncomfortable for you or you know what, so what's your story in this what's your experience in this yeah. what's the other person's experience in this um, can you hear each other and you know the number of times I've had people kind of say I didn't experience it that way but I can kind of see how you might have thought that you know, yeah. oh, I didn't mean it that way and then as a mediator you know our role isn't to direct people and say well I have an answer to your problems I can now solve and resolve your problem for you it's really to catch what people are saying and make sure it's being heard it's to help people to hear it in a way that words toxic words don't get in the way or you know and um, it's to allow people to express emotion because we're human it's a human to human engagement um which is so important for people um, and then to look at well what do people need you know if this is going to work now what do people need you know and even when i would work with separating couples for example you know, one of the big things there is I'm not there as someone to get them back together again. You know, even though my heart sometimes I kind of think once they start talking honestly with one another, yeah. I think, oh, wow, well, isn't this it's just beautiful that they can talk so honestly with one another. But my role is to ensure that one, they fairly, um, for them, mm. kind of distribute the assets they've accumulated in their relationship in one level and where they really have children that they can co-parent and renegotiate that relationship with one another to allow them to give their children the very best. And that's what the way I would work in workplaces as well, is helping people, by moving beyond that conflict and renegotiating with people about what's okay and what's not okay, and what's reasonable to expect and what's not reasonable to expect, and what are we prepared to give a go to here? Yeah. You know, and and maybe we don't quite trust one another, Mm-mm. but then maybe we could put in place an agreement between us that we'll come back in a couple of months and we'll have a chat again and we'll see how do we get on. And when you see people do that as well, that's very powerful.
0: Yeah? you were just telling me a story here, and I'm nearly a boy, and I'm okay. See, that's what. Yeah, you're like, I'm oh, like, yeah, okay. I'm like a nodding dog in the back of the car. Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm, like, I'm not in a conflict, man. Calm down. You're doing an interview here. <laughs> what the? That's where I say you have this magnetic pull. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> Can you give us a little insight to some of the cohorts of people that you, you deal with on a regular basis and kind of the challenges that they face when it comes to conflict, mediation, intervention?
1: So I suppose I I deal with sort of probably a, a few different kind of, groups of people. So predominantly my practice work, so I, I, I call myself something called... A, pracademic which is not my word I couldn't um,
0: understand it was it? pracademic yeah. and then I went like yeah I couldn't so figure it out I read
1: it it comes from a guy who works in um, with the Harvard program on negotiation um, and I, I read an article of his that he wrote back in 2015 and I loved that because it was about holding practice and academia um, together you know so that we could do teaching and research yeah and engaging with students and we could actually stay rooted in practice so so not that i can theorize about being in conflict or in a mediation but i actually put myself in there and i do it for real and i stay fresh you know i stay realizing the challenges that that are there so so i would work predominantly with people in workplace situations so Mm. a lot of the work that i i will do would be around that Um, and that could be anything from you know a senior group of people who you know something has happened and the relationships have you know people are still functioning because they function and they know themselves that it's not it's not working it that, that it's not working with a level of trust that is important and would honor the people who work with them you know because i think again when when senior people realize that actually <coughs> they're struggling they also often realize that the impact that's happening on the people you know it often takes a bit of time and usually mm. people highlighting to them that you need to sort this out and um, and so I would work with senior people, I would work with, you know, two colleagues who have started to make assumptions about one another or seeing the world a different way and, you know, and sit down with them to, to look at, well, what, what's needed here. Um, bullying and harassment, you know, where, where somebody has felt very bullied by the behaviour of another, another, um, feels discriminated against in some way by another. So there would certainly be those conversations as well through mediation that would that would happen. um. And I've also been involved in work where whole organisations, you know, or people at certain levels in them begin to have restorative conversations. So um, you know, that's in the public record that, you know, myself and and some of my colleagues, um, some of them from um the Glen Cree Centre for Peace and Reconciliation, others from Restorative Practice Ireland, um, others from the Media Institute of Ireland, we came together, we offered our services to the, the guards in fact at one point because we were really concerned, you know, before the new commissioner came in. Uh, that there was real struggles there for for people there, and so we would have offered the opportunity to to engage in in, in conversation, um, and that would have been so again those kind of cohorts of, of where where people are sort of struggling with change, where they're struggling with behaviour, where they're struggling with the the difficulties of trying to fit into everybody's expectations and feeling like they're failing to meet any of them or, or being beaten up for what they're doing. You know, I, I do, I get involved in that. And then I would be part of, again, within the Edward M Kennedy Institute um, for Conflict Intervention, very long, on top of ENKI, let's go with that. Uh-huh. Um, the um, Again, you know, we would have our students, so we would have a certificate in restorative practices. So there we might have people who are working in... Um, Hubs, um, for people who are homeless. Um, there might be people who are uh, working in the prison service. There could be people working in ci- city regeneration projects who really want to be able to have the tools and techniques to sit down and engage everybody who needs to be part of conversation respectfully in those conversations. Um, and so that's a fabulous program. And the, the students are just an amazing kind of group of, of people. Um, we also have a diploma in mediation and negotiation conflict intervention and again that's a grouping of people often who are either thinking that you know they would like to be better at dealing with conflict in their own work. Mm. Um, so there could be people from hospitals, there could be people from schools, there could be people from um, health services, you know all manner of areas there could be other people who are thinking, I'd like to do this. I'd, have, I'd like to have this as more as part of the work I do. Mm. And so they're looking maybe at beginning to reshape a career in some way. Um, and so they're wonderful people as well because you're literally from all kinds of areas. You're, you're sort of, and through both of those programs, you're seeing people kind of grow in their own understanding of how they, like you were saying with leadership, how they respond to conflict. Mm. What are the things they need to unlearn? You know, the habits they need to kind of, recognize they have, the assumptions they make about people, um, and then our master's programmes and postgraduate programmes, you know, really important as well. But with all of our programmes, the the grounding, so with our masters, for example, so I get to meet amazing people who come in and for for the month of September, over the days of the the study, they're coming from all walks of life, every colour, every creed, every age, they come into a space together. And last year we had 24 people, across that spectrum some of them going on then to do international peace building security and development which is another program we have others mediation and conflict intervention and they learned how to mediate so they learned about conflict they learned about their responses to conflict they learned how to sit in space with people to listen and to actually use all of the other skills of mediation and to do that so so that's a whole cohort of people and i would work with them in terms of doing research of trying to build bridges to make sure we're really strongly linked to the practitioner community that they're doing real research where they're doing research that matters um opportunities to go out and mediate with people so again the relationships the connection of people together is really important um and then um I would be involved in, in other dialogues then. So, you know, our, our area is involved in dialogues where there would be people coming from, traveling together from um, Israel and Palestine to come and understand the Irish peace process. So wow. They would come and we would sit in as part of, of some of those conversations. We would have um, people from within the um, sort of loyalist um, sort of Republican communities, sort of nationalist communities in the north of Ireland who you know, will, will come for conversations, you know, even among themselves to... Yeah. Because it's about peace building in that sense, um, and then on the mediation sort of side, we also facilitate a Garda traveller dialogue. So um, and have been doing that for, for a while. And in fact you know, and um, that's a, they're very important conversations where um, members of the travelling community get to sit down with serving guards um, and get to know one another, get to talk about the types of issues that right. they, they arise between them. Get to get to kind of I suppose blast away some of the stereotypes that are there um, and look at having a plan and a development and you know there's a very powerful service within Ireland when you ask me about mediation I mean there are really powerful mediation services in Ireland you know there's a, there are community mediation services in in you know South Dublin there's community mediation and mm. um, in Kulak um, you know um, there's other community services Ballymun. you know out around the country you know the Limerick you know it, it's amazing it's just they're they're fabulous as people volunteering to work with members of the community where there might be anti-social behavior issues where there might be separation you know families and um, all of these things that are so important to have people sit and be helped to sit together mm-hmm. to work out what is the best way of dealing with this that they can commit to you know in order to allow it to be lived in their community. so the volunteers who work in that are all trained and accredited to the same level, you know, that, that I would be in the sense, you know, um, in, in mediation in, in the Institute, so there's a the mediation Institute of Ireland, um, but they would be certified members, you know, one step on because I'm older and longer in the tooth, and and that's that's all that is. Um, but fabulous community services and the Traveller Mediation Service is a fabulous service that has gone from not existing mm. to being a service where there are training of people within the tribal community in how to understand the habitual approach perhaps to dealing with conflict, um, which has tended sometimes towards a more yeah. a violent, that's what we see, isn't it, a more violent um, response more, that feels more threatening to perhaps to other communities, um, and to understanding some of that, to actually having conversations with one another, but also to learning the skills of addressing conflict. In ways which are more peaceful, in ways which are about finding solutions, and the people now, two of the people at least employed within that service are members of the traveller community. You know, so they are people who have progressed through. One of them through a diploma, now doing a masters, and um, working, building trust in the community, but building trust between the community and the guards. And, you know, so it's a huge huge endeavor you know um, and i think you know that makes me when you say who the people i work with you know i would see part of the work that i do is, is also supporting those others who are
0: absolutely and that kind of segues to my next question the traveling community and mm. i know you had the absolute opportunity an amazing opportunity to go to a holding site in ballyferma mm. landon road mm. or I can't give the name of the Holtz, I put it, Eileen Flynn. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing interview. She's an amazing human being. I love my experience, but when I came out and I talked to people about it, it really opened my eyes to the perception of travelling people and the travelling community. And it's the really, really at the bottom of the social ladder mm-hmm. uh, when people talk, mm-hmm. and it. it's really horrible. I, I couldn't get my mind around it. I was aware of it, mm-hmm. but not to the extent she really opened my eyes mm-hmm. to how she is perceived in life mm-hmm. from the day she's born from when she went to school mm-hmm. you know the treatment by teachers that yeah. how do we change that or it feels like we're, we're in the 1920s when it comes to that yeah. am i am i wrong
1: no i think there are very very strong views we would have even seen it with the presidential election you know <coughs> can, be, can be can be thrown out there and then suddenly and then more recently with i think we go away not spending all of it the housing budget that you know, uh, where it, ha- it has a housing budget and it wasn't spent, and yet there are traveler families in need of you know, um, housing, and uh, so it, again, there's that sort of struggle that's there between you know, people who are part of our society and um, who, yes, have different ways of approaching things on occasion, and often the people they damage most are themselves. I mean, and that's you know, also one of the, the, the things I think is hugely important is because, in part, of the conversations that happen it is that realising that what there is is a very strong, there are very, very strong values, you know, and I think what you were describing there with Eileen is that it's it's really very clearly laid down. But it, I've equally kind of seen, you know, men and women in conversation, traveller men and women in, in, you know, serious conversation, you know, um, older women who did one of the programmes um, that, that we would support um, in terms of a, certificate, a, a different certificate, um, but with the TV and you know, and saying that for them, the great pride when their grandchildren sort of said to them, Where are you going today, Nanny? I'm going to school. And then coming back, and, and even the grandchildren begin to kind of say, No, we've got to be quiet because Nanny has to do our study, our her, her study, her homework, or what did you learn today? And then being able to talk with her grandchildren about that. And then also seeing her her husband who. And um, this is her story, not my story, but, you know, you know, so just saying as we were just debriefing and talking about some of the changes that had happened through Mm. beginning to talk as part of the community about can we could we do conflict a different way? Could we approach this a different way? And that would work for for us. Um, and finding that her husband, surprisingly, was really capable of putting on the kettle or making the tea, <laughs> whereas that hadn't been the experience um,
0: yeah.
1: previously. So all the, the you know, communities are changing, things negotiated, but, but family is important, you know, um, and your know, face is important, as, as it is for many people. But it's, it's really important. And um, if something is seen as damaging family, then there is a coming together to protect and defend and attack. And, um, and, and that's a reaction and a response and, and it's really interesting talking with my colleagues who you know are co, co- colleague mediators in, in mm. the sense of, of, of the, the, the travel mediation service amazing you know the work they do having of you know in in actually bringing things to dialogue you know what, what's needed what needs to happen you know um being called in even in those situations where you know they'll, they'll be asked now more by families so you're seeing that change as well. So whereas it might have been the guards previously or the courts mm-hmm. previously, now families will co- make contact and say, we need to, can we get some help? Wow. You know, now that's that's really important because that, that's people begin to recognise there's, there's the possibility of a different way of doing this. You know, I don't think any travel parent wants to think of their children being hurt or harmed or um you know dying um, in a in a feud that blows up about something and is then mm. gone Um, i don't think they look for that I, I i think again we're seeing amazing conversations happening now but they have been happening within the prison service and again you know great conversations where, where members of the traffic police are saying that, you know we would like to know more about how to deal with these things differently so that you know we don't get really? back in here again or we can talk with members of our family in a different way, so that's that they fantastic. don't end up in here. Because do we really want to have, you know, our son joining us in here as a, a, cellmate? You know, if there's a different way of dealing with the issues that, that come up. You know, so, so again, that's where this this power of of mediation of, but again, it's trust building. So within the community, it's really important that people trust that and that it's being done with them. Yeah, um, and, and come, that people come. within the community are building their capacity. You know, it's not us us, me, others going in and sort of saying, We'll sort out your conflicts for you. Yeah. You know, because who am I to do that? I mean, you know, i I I haven't lived I haven't lived
0: yeah, yeah. that
1: experience and um, you know, uh what I can do is, is support colleagues and, and engage as as honestly as yeah. um as real as real as possible with, with people, you know, um, as human beings
0: sometimes with any conflict or any kind of you know uh, when people are being tribal you know them and us we lose that they're human mm. we forget oh they're just a traveling community or just just the, the ethnic minorities or whatever mm. they're not humans but they're their moms their dads their brothers their sisters mm. and now you sat down with Eileen in mm. and that shined mm. really true to me and her sister came in and they were just lovely just lovely human beings mm. and i was trying to tell somebody this story and i went oh yeah that's wonderful but they used to rob my ma's house and blah 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 I mean, so i'm just uh, telling you a lovely story and you're just giving me some shit yeah. with your man's house being robbed yeah mm-hmm. people from the NRC could have done it mm-hmm. people from clandolphin could have done it <laughs> you don't know it, it's it or... it people from sandy could
1: have
0: done it anyone <laughs> <Or> you know <laughs> Deliri,
1: but yeah, yeah like yeah, but straight away
0: the sad. traveling community not i was telling this lovely story about a lovely human being mm-hmm. that's having difficulties who's struggling mm-hmm. How can you ignore
1: that? Absolutely. I and mean, I think, again, it's that bit, isn't it, about how we can, you know, begin to just revise some of those stories that people have got in their heads and, you know, they've been passed down through generations. And when people sit together and the word sort of, you know, travel comes off or, you know, it's, just, it's the same type of thing that, you know, I went to, to England as, as a 12-year-old immigrant. And for the first time in my life, and I, I always think it's one of the things for me that was really powerful forming who I am, was that experience. Because, you know, I walked from being the same as other white, semi kind of working class, middle class. Yeah. Where my parents were kind of like the first in their family to almost like own a home that wasn't a council house, you know, That um, and um, I went to a Catholic school, all girls, and you know, we had our lovely uniforms and all the rest of it. And I walked in on my first morning at the age of 12 and two days, into a school where I was one of a small minority of white faces. Um, I was the only Irish person. I was the only person in the school that the teacher could not, sorry, in the class, that the teacher could not pronounce my name. Wow. Um, and there were many difficult names, to you know, in terms of different names. Um, and the people who befriended me and made my time easier in the beginning, and even throughout at different points in time, were the people who were often from their, their parents had come from the Caribbean, maybe even their grandparents had come from the Caribbean, and um, you know the the people who come from, their families come from India, you know Turkey, Greece, and um, so I had this amazing all of a sudden this amazing cohort of people who were just people, you know, and they 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 were kind and they were generous and sometimes they were nasty and vicious and you know, but you know when I got Bullied, and I did get bullied, you know, um, a few times in school because I was little and I had a funny accent, and you know, I had a name that people, yeah. you know, and they wanted to call me Teresa and I wouldn't. I would just remind them that actually that wasn't my name. You know, I am Trasna, and and they'd look a little bit sort of startled, and, and you know, and most of the time that was absolutely fine, and sometimes that wasn't, and yeah, so I, so again, I, I think that that's something for me that I I recall at a very deep level for me. How important that kind of kindness was—that that that I was another human being, and you know—and even at times when you know I was in different streams for different things and different classes for different things, I could kind of go and talk to any of those people because sometimes they understood what I was talking about far better than a a white English person understood what I was talking about, wow. uh, or even a white American who was used differently to. A white Irish person yeah so sometimes they understood in a different way but that for me I think is always at the essence of it is we are all human and we are humans talking to other humans and people's cultures and people's habits and all of those things are all part of our identities and our identity is so fixed that we can't Re- renegotiate them with ourselves that we can't learn that perhaps that was something that did work in the 1920s maybe that was something that was it and I don't know when you say that my stories from my grandmother about the community for, where the, the, the man who came and kind of basically fixed mediter pots and sharpened her knives and was brought in with a cup of tea and the chat mm-hmm. and all the rest of it and given some vegetables and you know they did a bit of a trade on stuff and all the rest of it and yeah you know, so that was a very powerful narrative for me as well was that actually mm-hmm. in my family narrative that was one of them, it wasn't the only one, because there was the yeah. other side as well, which was, you best cross over the road now, or lock all the doors, or whatever, you know, because people are right. in town. And yet the same thing, um, when I moved back to Ireland initially, would yeah. have lived in Tullow. And the people who were so helpful, I can remember, they were really helpful, like taking stuff away, like clearing an old house, and all this kind of stuff, and sheds, and all the rest of it. Um, and a very large, kind of settled trapper community there, and all the rest of it. And brilliant because they, you know, they, they would come up and some of the guys that were working there were local construction people, and so they kind of said, Look, you know, are you okay? Great, brilliant. But never, never had that kind of hassle. And um, there, now, when there might be others who came into the area, that was a different, mm. a different issue because then things might happen. Mm. But equally, as you said, Matt, things might happen because. There were, you know, some lads from Dublin driving down the car and thought, that, that looks like a house, it looks like it could be accessible. You know, so yeah, these yeah. things, there yeah. are, there's good and bad in every yeah. community. Um, there, and I think within all of us as human beings, there are times when we are really good and kind and compassionate and mm-hmm. um, genuinely. And there are times when we can be biased and... And absolutely and
0: I, I was only talking about this last night uh, at Tuli Mietzha down in the mm-hmm. Dublin Buddha Centre mm-hmm. and we were talking about practicing love and kindness mm-hmm. meditation um, at the bafna. Mm-hmm. and I used to bring forward people in my meditation that I'd have conflict with that it'd irritate me and it was only when I began to look at them as a human being whether it be a mother a father or a brother a sister or they can hurt mm-hmm. I kind of couldn't be angry at mm-hmm. them more you know it's kind of like fuck these are humans.
1: They're humans. They are, yeah, and that's and that's a big part of what mediation and restorative practice looks to do. It's it's the it's the human. It's also the you know I sat through a very the, the very powerful film about yourself and eating, um, and you know the that, that extraordinary situation of of a, a rape victim who said, I I I want to meet the man who did this, you know, he had been tried and he had served time and. You know and and for her that was really important for her and you know to hear her story you know so again you're seeing things which you know can seem really out there and, and again i suppose it's one of the things that yeah kind of um raises my passion around the whole area as well is is around things like you know the the, the survival check and things like that and you know the conversations there, medical negligence you know why are we not having more dialogue with people you know, why are we not talking to people? What What is it that clicks us in those conflicts into pr- protect ourselves? You know, organisations protect themselves. Quite, yeah. You know, barristers, lawyers. You know, against love people in the legal profession. They're adorable and gorgeous and they absolutely have a role. And yet, so much of the time, what you hear from people is, I would just like someone to tell me what
0: happened. Yeah. It's um, what we talked about earlier. People get lost and it's all about the process and it's all about the systems, all about the mechanics of it and the person and the voice and the story okay. is lost in Absolutely.
1: it all. Absolutely. And yeah, that's why, you know, what I was saying we here, don't have like open disclosure. Yeah, so much of the time, you know, people, they want to ask the question, you know, why, what was that about? They, you know, to understand it, you know, they don't necessarily agree with it and at least they hear what's been happening and, and what the other person was seeing and then, you know, perhaps people can transform, you know, this. the, Something that where conflict sort of transforms and and people begin to understand each other from that human level. You know, they come closer. They actually begin to Mm realise that, you know, you were hurting, I was hurting. um, It was difficult. um, You know, even within those parenting relationships, um, that you know, it's hard to let go. It's hard to say I don't love you anymore um, and accept you don't love me anymore and how we bring up our children um, and have those conversations about how we do that because. Mm you know and that's so difficult for people and we oh, have to sit respecting the courage it takes for people like yeah i always think of mediation as one of the mediation restorative practice as one of the great courageous acts that people make you know they, they have to trust the person they go into the room to help both of them or a number of people and you have to be vulnerable and you have, you to, have vulnerable. to show your
0: vulnerability
1: and that and people have to be okay with that now you know there's commercial mediation and other types of mediation which is much more it's more about the money it's more about the money mm. it's about a contract being broken. oh okay that's that's and that's a perfectly reasonable use of mediation as well because again why would you need to lock into something that then becomes almost like a vendetta against another commercial enterprise when yeah you know can you sort it can you not expend acres of money in, in court taking up the court's time mm. um and can you get something that will work better than something that the court is going to, to give, you know? And um, and but and then you move down and along through that and closer and closer to the heart of people. And then you know other forms of mediation are more relational. I suppose that's a lot of what I do. I mean, I do some contractual work, but but even within that, there's there's often the hurt, the mm-hmm. you know the human hurt. The and sometimes the hurt is real, yeah. And sometimes it's what we assumed somebody. You know, so somebody I had a really good relationship in work with did something that to me said they don't care about me, you know.
0: And that's only your perception and that's your assumption, true. but that's yeah. not really what yeah. could have but happened. then we
1: start to look for all of the things, and so when we look back to what you asked about conflict, we start to look for all of the things that prove they have now become a bad person. Uh, oh yeah and we don't often because it feels difficult to go and have the conversation because if they become a demon then they have big teeth and you know claws that they hide very well but I see them I yeah. see them in the shadows yeah. um, or even just that they won't listen you know we convince ourselves there's no point in my saying anything because they won't listen to what I have to, to say and maybe they won't because they will respond from an emotional place and so again with mediation it allows people to come in as, as whole people to express not only what what the story is for them and to have it heard, so another person sits and listens to that without interrupting, um, which is really hard for people. Oh, so because difficult. they want to get in there and...
0: Reload, reload, reload. Stop um, listening, and, judging.
1: And to talk about the impact. And then the other person gets their chance to do that. So everybody is heard. And then we can start to explore more the specific things that, that went on to get some kind of clarity there between people about how, how that went on and what happened with it and how that worked for each of them and, and then looking at it. And so what could be ways to move on from this? and I mean, what, what might help to do that? And then that's where people are so wonderfully creative. I mean, you know, because they so often know that what I need here, you know, I I really need to know that that person. And often it's that, I need to know that person's heard. Yeah, What's absolutely. happening? You know, it, it's not that often. I mean, I know we, we kind of talk about it, but you know, there's can't be promises about apologies and things. You know, usually where I say apologies, they're really spontaneous. They're they're very genuine. They're not genuine. People know they're not genuine. Um, and I never ask a person to apologise just to tick a box yeah. that we can get through this. Um, because what does that mean to anybody? It's either got to be that someone has not heard and understood they may not have realised the impact their behaviour was having. They may not have realised that actually, okay, they thought, I'm doing my job, let's say, because sometimes it's manager or person working with them. I I was doing my job. I was, you know, asking that person to do something. Perhaps the way they spoke to them, because they were frustrated, they spoke harshly, and that's what the person heard. Maybe they did that in front of a lot of other people. Mm. You know, maybe they lost the rag on something. Um, Maybe they decided, well... You're being di- you seem to be getting, being difficult to me, so I'm not going to include you in things. And you know, so all of those things can be talked through, yeah. understood, and then what now? You know, is the relationship continuing? If it's continuing, how do you renegotiate all of this stuff to go forward? Yeah. If it's not continuing, then that's a different situation because perhaps for people they can at least sit easy with they got the chance to talk. They got the chance to say their bit, and they got the chance to hear the other person as opposed to things coming in the form of letters and massive documents and...
0: It becomes so complex, but really can be so simplistic. Yeah. We peel away the layers.
1: And and I'm a a great believer, you know, that you need a variety of steps. You know, you you need that if that if dialogue doesn't work, then obviously there needs to be some form of judgment about what happens next. And if people can't do that themselves, then they need the support then mm. of their organisation, of the courts, yeah, to, to, to do those other things. I think it's where that isn't an opportunity afforded to people. They can lose far more than, you know, um they're ever likely to gain um from going through those other those other processes, you know. So there's always that chance for people, that hope. That's, that's what we as mediators are always how, uh,
0: that's all we have, isn't it?
1: you know it can be very difficult because you know yeah. you're seeing people who are working away at, at so many levels and and then like you we were saying there the, then the story bounces up of the that group of people are bad you know that label is they're bad they're all bad they're bad through and through can't be trusted you know you've been conned. and um, you know um, and yeah and, and so then we can feel oh my god oh what's going on here you know how come the world isn't moving on and mm. but again i think it is about yeah, trying to see actually where it is shifting you know where there are really important things happening and you know really powerful things happening and i think you know it's for me that would be very much you know for the university that it would be a, a restorative university and um, for the for the society we live in in ireland that it would be a restorative society and i mean you know we have seen these massive shifts in our society things which would have been huge conflicts mm. in the past and they're creating the other side of that flip which is the people who now feel marginalised or outside of yeah. what's now seen as, as, as the way Ireland is and, and the way it will be going into the future and we have to make sure we don't exclude people there either, you know, that, um, that, that we need to hear that people have a different view and a different view is okay. I'm
0: just mindful of the time we're quarter past 11 I've got loads of questions I want to ask. I'm like what will they ask what will they ask it seems we're going towards we've got we've got 15 minutes uh, Ireland 2019 you know we're all about equality we're all about occlusion we're all about you know bringing people to the table I don't know if we're anywhere near as much as we're promoting to say that we are I think we're having the conversations we're interactions within the trenches within our communities I don't think we're practicing equality mm. or the inclusion. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I don't think we're doing as much as we need to, definitely. We talk um, loads. We talk a lot. I think there are pockets of real activity. I think one of the, it maybe comes back to what I said very close to the beginning there, was about Only Connect. I don't think we join the dots. Oh, so, yeah, I love yeah. that one. So, you know, I just don't think we do that. And I'm a, I'm a system head, so I have to always say that. So I, I kind of, you know, I look and I kind of say, if we, if we looked and saw system leaders in, in Irish society you would see amazing things going on. You would see people working in local community projects. You would see people, you know, working in restorative projects, you know, working for, you know, Slido and Galway and other towards the west to become restorative towns, you know, you know, really sort of, you know, this on the ground, you know, the travel mediation service, the family mediation service, you know, that, you know, all of these community mediation, you know, people really embracing sort of, you know, LGBT, you know, All of these amazing things that have been that have come up, the the conversations we're having now about um, domestic violence, you know, um, coercive control, you know, all of these kind of things which begin to bring up to the surface.
0: Amazing initiatives.
1: Amazing initiatives. Where are we
0: closing the loop? Are we joining the dots?
1: And I think that's the kind of bit is our because one of the risks always is that we are territorial creatures, human beings. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think always one of the risks is that we can become territorial. So this is my project or this is my thing. And um, I think also people become focused and busy on what they're doing and they may not see a project down the road here that actually is, uh, you know, perhaps gives an opportunity to join something together. You know, again, I think from the government perspective, I think there, is, there are things happening that we don't hear about. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're certainly looking at how, enabling voice you know for survivors institutional abuse and um, that you know how this can happen with the survival cancer you know how can we bring it together with where families have experienced sort of murders you know um, that uh, you know her name is clodagh for example you know, that, they, I, I thought that was so powerful but again it's almost like it needs something really powerful to come up and then an action is taken um, and i think you know we do need to probably fits a little bit like you know you kind of said about the I idea but i was landscaping um workplace mediation because again we talk about things in bits you know we we look at things as a piece of something and it's a process process. that's the
0: antecedents is it
1: yeah so what is it that actually you know and where does this come from where where is this genesis but also how does it appear now and where could it go what are the things that we need to know and understand because if you're so immersed in practice it's very difficult sometimes to see that actually there's a moment here where we're starting to duplicate something that someone else has already done or is doing, and um, and I think you know when it comes to equality, you know, and, and we hear the conversations in the newspapers, you know, the direct provision centres, and you no. know, are we are we creating the problems of the future? Are we creating actually situations here? But I think what I what I get hope from is I hear it being talked about. I hear the voices of people saying, that's that's not okay, you know, that's, that's not okay that somebody who had friends and um, who was living in direct provision, who died, wasn't told, those friends were not told that they could go and pay their respects to that person, you know, and we're hearing that, we're hearing those voices out there, you know, um, and again, yeah, I, I mean, I would love that actually we made a much stronger commitment as a country that, you know, we are going to focus on.
0: Mm. Join the dots. Join the Kills dots and, the and,
1: and support mm. those initiatives, but bring them together, <clears throat> yeah. support them, um, reinforce, you know, build the scaffolding that's needed to actually sustain the work that's happening. Um, and that, that yeah, we make that commitment that actually, genuinely, Ireland is, is the, the place of a thousand million welcomes and, and that we don't fall into, but we don't fall into a kind of propaganda message that people who come from elsewhere are a danger to us and a threat to us. It's um, lip
0: service, lip service. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, if, if, if our daughter or our son told us that they went to another country and they had to go and live in something that had been built as a hotel in the middle of nowhere, and um, where they were given, you know, whatever it is, uh, so many euro a week, and an irregular bus service to go into town and not allowed to cook their own food, would we be thinking that was...
0: That's not cool. That was okay. No, yeah. that's not um, good. That's and,
1: not horrible. And, yeah, and you know, and we can look from here and kind of say, Well actually, you know, we don't like what um, the, the the current US administration is doing in relation to um, children and the detention of, of families and children. You know, and that's not, I'm not picking on anybody here. I think it no. is simply that the conflicts that exist within us as people we have our biases around things and Unconscious bias. Unconscious bias and we don't even realise that we are treating another human being in a way that we would find deplorable if it was happening to someone we do view as a human
0: being. Oh yes. yeah. So uh, we once we dehumanise someone you can do whatever you like to them. Absolutely. I'm gonna mash two okay. questions together. And uh, one is how do you like I get very frustrated when we sit at means and I think about the the inequalities or you, you know when you're people in conflict i really feel mm. for them how do you stop yourself getting lost at sea and all that and i believe that you're a genuinely caring and loving person mm. how do you mind yourself because i don't see this as a mask i know we talked earlier about a mask. a i find it very genuine and i can open up to you and i believe you
1: mm.
0: how do you stop yourself getting lost at sea and how do you mind yourself it's a pretty
1: good, good question um, the a colleague of mine there just recently said something we were talking and we were talking about how important compassion um is and being open to people um uh, and not hiding any part of your yourself uh, from people um and she said something to me which uh, that got me thinking um and she said to me she said yeah she said you have compassion with boundaries and she said i'd love to be able to be like that i love that and I, i'm kind of gonna do i do I? I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know I had do that. you want to buy it? Wow! I'll teach you. What does that it? mean? I'm going to teach myself. Is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? You know. Um. And and again, you know, you've talked there about you know a kindness and you know, you know, I was certainly sort of you know, in my my own practice of 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 you know, being open um to people and, and you know, being conscious that we have to do that. You know, we have to consciously say. I am struggling with the person or I am struggling with the situation. I now need to, rather than closing myself off, I need to open. But I think with the compassion piece, with, with being open to people, the, the the main thing I can say is over the many, many years I've been on this earth, and am are many years um, now, um, that, but of course, 50 being the new 30, I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. um, or, or into your late 50s being the new late, into your late 30s being that. The, but the interesting thing for me, that is is I... I, I try to sit very much honestly with myself that I can't fix all the problems of the world actually, I can't. And, and no matter how much I would struggle to do that, the energy it would take of me worrying constantly about things when if I could connect with another person or other people and together we could see what's possible, um, seems a better use of that energy. And if, if I'm working honestly with people, I feel, you know, and I do, I mean, I, I sit in rooms with people who other people have told me are demons. And I meet another ordinary, I meet another human being who maybe they have behaved badly, badly. Um, maybe they haven't, you know, um, and they're struggling their way through this. And if they are genuinely wanting to find a solution, I will do everything possible to help them think that through. Help them think that through together, help them think through what they can do. And my boundary, I suppose, is that I don't take that with me. You know, that if they don't get there, what I believe in is that they have had the best possible chance to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I can give. That's what I can offer. I can't offer solutions to every single thing. Um, I can work and connect and support as much as I can anyone and everyone else who's doing really good work with, with people. Um, and I'd rather use my energy that way. And so maybe that's where my boundaries come from, is that, that I, I make choices about that, because I know how much energy I have.
0: You know where it is enough. You see the line.
1: Yeah, and I know how much power I have, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I have personal power, which we all have. Yeah, um, choice. And, you know, um, but I'm not the government, and I'm not this person. But, you know, I might know someone who knows someone who knows someone, Um, but it won't be necessarily my voice. Now, they might be able to get my voice there. But equally, maybe it's their voice. Yeah, and maybe if there's enough voices. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's that's what we want, is that kind of crescendo of, of voices building. Um, and so I think, for me, that's the way I mind myself. I, I step into something being very clear that I'm, I'm there. And I do that. I'm like going from um, you know, I'm doing mediation. If I'm going into any kind of situation, I will, I will sit for a period of time on my own in my car. Um, I prepare myself. I clear my head of all the other stuff that's there. Um, because I, I owe it to people not to be bringing... Fascinating. My own stuff in and so and, and I that that's my ritual if you like for that because I owe it to people, you know, because that that's not fair to, to bring my stuff in one part of my head when they need me to be listening to what's going on for them and helping them and supporting them in articulating what what's possible now and you know what's happened and what's possible and um, and and then when people get to a point, it's their transformation and it's their glory in their achievement and i bask in the light of Mm. being in that space because that's magic that's magical mediation is not magical the transformation of conflict by the people in the room yeah that is extraordinary because the energy that releases is that's magic yeah you just feel this extraordinary kind of power of two people or more in, in, in now moving out of this kind of sludge of the conflict. It's beautiful isn't into it? Into this wonderful kind of like standing on a hill and kind of saying hey we can go on from here you know we can we can yeah we're, we're kind of released from what what that was for us um, and then if they don't get there the question for me always is you know have we done this as well as we could yeah. and if people make a choice that they're not ready yet to make change or that they understand fully what the the options are for them and what it means if they can do it this way what that means for them and they they understand that um and they've made a wise decision based on being informed um as much as possible then i'll step away from that and, and you know i do I, Yeah, you know, there are moments i have to give myself good talking to but i also have colleagues i go to i have sharing learning sessions with other mediators i have Supervision, you know, I, I I go, I talk it out because well, some things do stay, you know, some precarious trauma, you know, you know? And, and we have to mind ourselves in that and recognise that, that that does happen, um, and always be reflective um, around that and kind of saying what's going on here.
0: Brilliant. Um, so. Before we ride off into the sunset or 11:28, what's the one thing you would like people to take away from this interview after listening to you?
1: I would really, yeah, I think what I would really, really like uh, people to take away is talk about look for opportunities to talk to other people about things that are a struggle in our relationships with other people. Um, that would be the real thing for me, is is t- think, there's, there's an Irish coming out there now, think talk, think talk, yeah, um, first, you yeah, know, it's really that, it's it's think talk
0: first yeah well wow. we could have talked forever i, I had to jump over questions because money for the time i hope people got what i got from it and uh, you've an amazing way of empowering people you talk about connect it's always the human there you're genuine you're loving you're caring i'm not saying this to blow smoke up your backside so <laughs> there's you. skills that people you don't get in academia you don't get in pracademia mm-hmm. you know and they they will help us through conflict mm-hmm. Having the conversation, p- treating people like they're human beings, caring, thinking them like they're your mother, your maybe not your mother, you were going to not my mother, no, she's no, gorgeous. No, no. Your Depends what your
1: family put it a
0: but, uh, but when we think of them as a family member, when we put the person forward, we can do good work, can't we? Yeah, we
1: can, we can, do a lot of good work, and, and I think we and we have the opportunity, thankfully.
0: And you and do that. You like you have a ones. magic thing about you. You empower people. You empower people like me. You empower me. You give me lots of confidence over the over the years that we worked together. And I know other people are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brilliant. I know. I'm absolutely delighted to have your job. I'm delighted to have you as a
1: colleague. Well, thank you. i Enjoy the pleasure and our oh, whole time. That's what
0: You're a legend. Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, much. Thank you.